Is this thing on? See, that's what happens. They listen to music and they leave. It, uh, they don't even give you a chance to get started. Well, uh, thank you, Kim and Angie. I asked them if they would play that today. And, and uh, you know, do y'all, you just have to stop and realize how blessed we are to have great musicians in this church. And uh, so thank you, Kim and Angie, for doing that. Just uh, You've played that many times. So uh, thanks. Uh, Taylor asked if I wanted to preach today, and I said, well, I might as well. I preached on the first Sunday when I was here inadvertently. Um, Bob Baggett had lined up a preacher for that Sunday night because Bob was out of town, and that guy called in sick on Friday, and Bob came in my office Friday afternoon and said, you want to preach on Sunday night? I said, well, sure, uh, but unless you were one of the hundred people that were there that Sunday night, you would not have known it. You know, at uh, Sunday night, a church was uh, pretty much like it was now. Not as many people came back on Sunday night. In fact, what Bob Baggett said about Sunday night church was, uh, he said one day somebody said to him, Preacher, I like your new suit. And uh, Bob said, I told him, this is not a new suit. I've worn it every Sunday night for the last year. (laughs) Sunday night church. So uh, over the years, people say, where do you work? I say, oh, First Baptist Church of Dothan. And especially as they got older, they say, oh, well, you're the pastor. I say, no. They heard me preach once. I'm just one of the associate pastors. <laughs> so uh, here we are again, one last time. So uh, where do we start? You know, I obviously spent a lot of time praying and thinking about what to say today and what to what to share. You know, do you do you reminisce and remember all the people that you've known? <sighs> Over the years, you know, thinking about the the saints that were here that aren't here anymore. I wrote down their names, Charles, so I wouldn't remember them, so I would make sure I didn't forget anybody. Just uh, people that have gone on, like Sue Johnson and John Glosson, Frank and Mavis Gwaltney, Sarah Ling, Gilman and Elizabeth Williamson, Oliver and Regina Bentley, Lewis and Ernestine Covington, James and Johnny Andrews, Essie Lee Lofton, Sarah Jean Johnston, Bessie Mallory, Jane Payne, Jean and Doris Faulkner, used to sit right there where you're sitting, Walter. Um, Herman Tinker. Mr. Tinker was always late. Y'all remember that? Always late. In fact, back in the 60s when uh, Harper Shannon was here, I understood he referred to Mr. Tinker as the late Herman Tinker. <laughs> Pat Phillips, Amy Phillips, Norma Cathell, Jimmy Spann, Fred and Jeanette Hickman, Bob and Rose Wood, Hal and Beth Tollison, Ann Orders, Oscar and Charlie Capps, Esther Harden, Eileen Cotton, Estelle Hall, June Austin. Iva Knowles, Dwight McKenna, Shadell Winnell Atkinson. Now, see, this isn't the time to tell stories, but they gave me a few extra minutes. Years ago, when I was doing a video for their 70th anniversary, I said, Well, on camera, tell us what does it take to be married 70 years? And see, they all said, Oh, it's not hard at all. You just have to do three things. He said, You got to get married young. You got to live a long time, and you got to stay married. <laughs> that was Cedell. Oh, my. Leroy Story, Oscar and Vivian Freeman. And then those church members, when you remember them, they're gone on, but when you remember them, they, they bring a look to your face. <laughs> Say, Oh, yeah, I remember them. Bonnie Klein, <laughs> Louise Van. Who could forget those two ladies? Uh, and ladies that used to come out to Baptist Village and help us uh, in Wesley Manor, 
provide refreshments, Flory Freeman and Mary Lou Peacock and Juanita Morris. So do we spend time remembering them and, and the tears that we shed way back then? Or just, uh, you know, do we press on? What I want to do is start with a scripture that I used the very first month that I was here. The single adult ministry was part of my responsibilities back then. And the very first single adult council meeting we had, I read from Ephesians chapter 4. And the verses that I read were actually verses 11 and 12, where it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets and teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So I shared with that group, I said, my job as a pastor here on staff is not to do the work. The job of a pastor is to equip you as a church member to do the work of the ministry, to do the work of the gospel. And that's the job of any pastor. That's Taylor's job. His job is to equip you as a church member to do the work of the gospel. And I, and I shared that with him. But what I want us to look at today is to go back to the very first verse of this chapter. Chapter 4, verse 1. And I want us to look at this verse and then look at some other supporting scripture from the New Testament to talk about this. What is the call of Christ in our lives? And you, would be, you can rejoice. It's a one-point sermon, sort of. So what is the call that is common to all of us? Pastors are called to equip the saints, but what about all of us as believers? What are we called to do? It, uh, Paul writes this in Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Then he goes on to lay out some specific things there that go along with that calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all those are the traits that paul was commanding them to pursue and obviously they're all good traits but that's not the part of this passage I want to focus on this morning. What I want us to focus on is that very first verse where it says, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. What I want us to think about this morning is what is that calling? What is our calling at First Baptist Church, this congregation? What is God calling us to do? It's a simple question, I think. The answers may not be quite as simple. Think about the first call that Jesus issued. Who was it to? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were all fishing, fishermen. And uh, he went to them, and let's just see exactly what he said in Matthew 4. He said, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and his brother Andrew, casting their net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them also. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. 
So that is Jesus' first call to his disciples. To do what? To follow me. He didn't say anything else. He didn't say, he didn't give them a PowerPoint presentation about here's all the benefits you're going to receive from having followed me. All the, uh, this will be the 401k that you get and all this kind of stuff. He just said, follow me. And they did. Now he did say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He did tell them, this is what you're going to do. But do you think those four guys understood that at that moment? Probably not. They looked at each other and said, what's he talking about? Fishers of men. But even though they probably didn't understand it, they left their nets immediately, all four of them, and they followed Jesus. Now think about that call. That call was to follow me so that you can be fishers of men. Looking back, we can understand that very easily. What he's talking about is, follow me, and I want you to go out and find lost souls who have wandered away from God and bring them back. Urge them to come back. Um, plead with them to come back in the name of Jesus to return back to God. Fishers of men. That's what I want you to do. Now think about Jesus. That was his first command. Now they didn't understand all that stuff that I just said about bringing people back to God. They weren't sure about that. But think about Jesus' last command. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Is it similar to this command? What did he say? Go ye therefore and make disciples. Going into all the world. Teaching them to observe whatever I've commanded you. His first command was go and find people and bring them back to God. His last command was go and find people and bring them back to God and teach them what I have taught you. So just think about if Jesus is putting a call on our life. What was his ministry about from the very beginning to the very end? He says, I'm here to bring people back to God. So that's our common call. Now, think about the people that Jesus just called. And I want to think about this because Paul says in verse 1 of Ephesians, he said, walk worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, who did, who, who did he call? Four fishermen. Alan Lindsay. You think fishermen back then were good liars as they are now? You should have seen the one that got away. How about Simon Peter? A hot-headed, quick-tempered, uh, uh, fast-to-speak, slow-to-think type of person. Also had a streak of cowards. How about James and John? That, uh, uh, Lord, we'd like to be seated at your left hand and your right hand. Is that okay? Full of pride and ambition. What about Matthew? He was a traitor to his own people and a despised tax collector. But Judas... Who did Jesus call to follow him? And yet Paul says, uh, walk worthy of the calling. Do you think these guys were worthy? These guys looked like they had a lot of problems. But aren't you glad God called these people? I am. Because that means if God can use men like this, maybe he can use me. Maybe there's hope for me. Maybe there's hope for you. Probably no hope for you, Doug. I'm sorry. But maybe there's hope for us. Think back to the Old Testament. Abraham, it says, Abraham believed God. God credited it to him as righteousness. And yet Abraham went off and lied about his wife being his sister and all that kind of stuff. Jacob was a deceiver and a trickster. Joseph, uh, even though he played a big role, he was a braggart. He was all uh, full of uh, self-ambition there. Um, Moses, he did obey God. He led the people out of this chosen land, but then he lost his temper. He hit the rock. God did not let him go into the promised land. What a bunch of losers. 
Aren't you glad? Because I'm a loser too. We all are. In God's sight, we are not worthy. All of us are in the same category. We're in the same category of unworthy. But Paul said, walk worthy of the calling that you have received. The calling being this, to go out and bring people back to God. I'm not worthy to do that. We're not worthy to do that. So how, how can Paul say that? How can we be worthy? Well, be thankful we have a pastor that every week is telling us how God made it possible for us to be worthy. Nothing we can do, nothing, nothing at all that we could do to be worthy. But in repentance, we can come back to God. And as Taylor has told us over and over, through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, that is how we are made worthy. That is how salvation takes place in our heart. That's how sanctification takes place in our life. And when we put our faith in Christ, through God's grace and through Christ, God begins the process of sanctifying our lives, sanctification. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit at that moment comes and takes up residence in our life, giving making a dead person alive. That's what the gospel is all about. That's how we are worthy, not because of anything we have done, but God has made us worthy so that we can come to him. We can go out and tell those people, God wants you to come back. We can be God's ambassadors to do what he said from what Jesus said in that very first call, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There are three, three verses that I think illustrate this call. So this is really a one-point sermon, but here's three things that illustrate that one point. Um, so, first, the first verse. Um, Jesus elaborated on his call to his disciples in uh, Matthew. when He was saying, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. So he was elaborating somewhat on that first statement. And it's something we're very familiar with. But what does that mean for us? He said, if anyone would come after me, let him basically do three things. Deny himself, take up, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, for years that word deny kind of confused me. Well, if you want to follow Jesus, then you need to deny yourself something, you know. I won't eat dessert, or I won't go to the ball game so I can pray or something. Giving up that kind of thing. That really was kind of my early thinking a long time ago. I have to give up those kind of things in order for God to be able to work in my life. But that's not what he's saying at all. In the original language, that word deny means do not follow. Don't follow. So when Jesus said deny yourself, he said do not follow yourself. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? If you want to be my follower, do not follow yourself. Don't, we don't need to follow ourselves, our own ideas and our own ambitions, our own um, thoughts about what's going to be the best way to do this. We don't want to be like the, the prodigal son who thought he knew best to, how to leave home and everything would turn out well, but it didn't. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, don't follow yourself. But it's the next phrase that, that I want to focus on. He says, don't follow yourself, but take up your cross. Take up your cross. Now, people have said many times, he said, well, you know, my, my cross in life to bear is the fact that Bob Gross is my next door neighbor. Or that I know Doug Mann or something like that. That's not at all what he's talking about when he says, take up your cross. When Jesus took up his cross, I mean, Jesus physically took up his cross, where was he going? To his death. That's what that phrase meant. If you're going to pick up your cross, you are going not just to your death, but to your crucifixion. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, 
you have to be willing to do what I'm doing. It's a one-way journey. Once you pick up that cross, it's a one-way journey to very possibly your death. The early disciples, the 12 apostles, they found that out because they all gave their lives except for John. Jesus said, if you, want to follow, if, if you want to come after me, don't follow yourself, but take up your cross. Be willing to die. Be willing to put everything that is dear to you on that cross and follow me. A verse that Paul wrote in Galatians helps us understand this a little more when he said, I have been crucified with Christ, yet, not, yet it's not me that, that's living, not I, um, but God is working through me and in, in the life that I now live in the flesh. But he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Paul was never crucified. He, he died by beheading, we think, the tradition says. But he, he had never, he wasn't crucified, but he says, I have already been crucified. What did he mean? Our old life, our old sinful nature, Paul says, that has to be crucified. You have to make a decision when you are repenting to say that life is going on the cross with Jesus. So Jesus said, if you want to follow me, don't follow yourself. Pick up your cross and be willing to put everything behind you. But then he said, follow me. Many people have followed Jesus unto death. But with that last phrase when he said, follow me, people who have given up their lives, martyrs who have died for Jesus, they were never alone because they were following Jesus. So that's one of the verses that I wanted to just think about. The call of Christ is a call to take up our cross. The, the second verse is a call to prioritize the kingdom of God. Now, um, Matthew 6, 33, you're all familiar with that. It, uh, um, I'm sure some of you could quote it. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In that context, in Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had been talking about, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, that type of thing, because God's going to provide it. He said, he said, the lilies that grow in the field, they don't work or anything, but God, God clothes them even more majestically than Solomon was in all of his glory. Solomon was a wipeout compared to God's handiwork. But Jesus was saying, don't worry about your food, clothing, and shelter. He said, what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, most of us, I don't think anybody in this room is worried about food, clothing, and shelter. Maybe we need to translate that a little more to put it down where we live. Don't get caught up with the things of life that distract us. You know, at the, my house isn't as big as their house. You know, I haven't, you know, so-and-so went on a vacation to Europe, and I haven't been there yet. Comparing ourselves to other people, getting caught up with the things in life that are fun and great, but distract us from what? Seeking the kingdom of God. Jesus called us to be ambassadors, to beg people to come back to him to implore people to give their lives to God, to repent. But the things of the world can distract us from that. Seek first the kingdom of God. Um, A.W. Tozer um, had a, there was something that he had written um, that says, the devil loves when we say that we believe, and yet we prioritize everything in our lives ahead of God. Oh, yes, I believe the kingdom of God, but do our lives really show that? So the second verse that goes along with this call in our life, we're called to follow Christ by carrying our cross, by falling into the death, 
We're called to prioritize the kingdom in our life. But there's one more. I mean, there's so many in the Bible we could choose from, but these three. The last one is the call to serve. The call to follow Jesus is a call to serve. You remember in you remember we referred to James and John already when they said, Lord, will you let one of us sit at your right hand and one let us sit at your left hand? Um, kind of an, on an ego trip. And Jesus said, those are not my places to give. He said, that's in the hands of the Father. And he ended that conversation with them by saying, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you see a, con- a, a continuation of the theme from take up your cross? It might cost you your life. And Jesus said, the Son of Man came to serve and to die to give his life as a ransom for many. To serve. And this is the part of the message where I'd like to reminisce a little. Because for 35 years, I have watched people serve in this church. This has been a church that's been about uh, doing the work of the kingdom. But, uh, um, when I first arrived, and the, the single adults that we were working with, the single adult council, uh, Carol Hatcher and Holman were on that, uh, that council at that time, and, and the work that they put in there. Um, and then the senior adult ministry uh, that, that we've done all these years. Um, so many people did so many things. You know, we had that monthly luncheon. Think of all the people that used to come and help prepare for that. Uh, Louise Ward and Mildred Moncrief and Frankie Rowland and, and Kathleen Hughes and Martha Jones, Jimmy Spann. Um, coming uh, week after week, month after month when we were doing that, serving because that was their thing, to serve. Um, but, you know, getting together for those fellowships was just one part of the senior adult ministry all those years. You know, maybe the more important part was the fact that we have a lot of, even when when I came, we had senior adults who had gotten to the point where they we called them shut-ins back then. Miss Frances Parrish was the director of the homebound ministry. She recruited people to go out and visit our homebound members. But um, um, not long after I got here, Miss Frances Parrish passed away, and uh, one of our church members said, "I would love to help with senior adult ministry. Could I help you?" Judy Wise. Judy has spent the last 30 years ministering and serving our senior adults, not so much with the programs and stuff, but making sure that there were church members lined up to visit our homebound members who couldn't get here, who who would have loved to have been here. And while we're talking about this, it just this is funny. Years ago we were having a homebound visitors meeting upstairs, and uh, given, we're passing out the names, and somebody said, What? You want me to visit this person? They never came to church when they were healthy. <laughs> oh, but Judy Wise. Judy, are you here today? I don't need to see you back there. But uh, when you see Judy Wise, be sure and thank her for all the years of connecting you church members with our homebound members who couldn't get here. What a great ministry. Serving that way. And then media ministry that we were doing all these years. You know, people don't, didn't stop and think about it, but every Sunday we were on TV. It took... Uh, eight or nine people to make sure things were working. Four camera people, two sound operators, a computer operator, and Mitt Kirkland was our professional uh, TV director. So volunteers, we had to have camera camera operators. Uh, You know, it it didn't just happen, but people gave their time. I mean, month after month, year after year. Uh, Edmund Nelson, where are you sitting? Edmund, you set up that camera for years and years 
uh, running that camera. Now, sometimes you were talking too loud on the headset, say, can you get that shot? <laughs> You're on, you need to be quiet. But anyway, thank you, Edmund, for doing that. I think of when we had three teenagers, Kevin Patterson and Jeremy Bear and then James Nelson sitting up there. Um, our sound guys, Charles, Charles Ward, Raymond Patterson, uh, David Wills, and our sound crew now, uh, Bob, Bob Wiley, at the people that have served, the camera guys over the years that uh, just gave their time because they wanted the people at home to be able to hear the, the message. Uh, the media ministry and all the volunteers that work behind the scenes Celeste Connor and Carol White Charlotte Ham, bless her dear soul putting those words in the computer so people at home can see those serving that's what it was that what it was about and then missions I was very thankful 20 years ago when Johnny said would you like he said what do you really want to do I said well I love missions he said well good why don't you be in charge of that and uh, so uh, we we went, to the chalk, we went to the chalkboard on my door and, uh, and uh, erased the other things and added missions to that. So um, all these years of doing missions, wish we could have done more, but God has done a lot of things, uh, brought people to Christ. Uh, you, the church members, have stepped up. You have gone here in town. You have ministered at the harbor and love in action and, and all these places we support, uh, that we support, uh, the Baptist Children's Home and Wiregrass Hope Group have gone around the state uh, working. We've gone throughout the United States to Kentucky and Tennessee and Vermont and New Orleans and, and all kind of places where we have served. Um, and then, of course, overseas. There's no way to call all the names of those people, but the church members who have given their time and, and money out of their pocket to go and serve. This is the third part of this message, that God, the call in our life is the call to serve. Now, I had this idea, but I think everybody who's been on any kind of mission endeavor to stand up, but I thought, well, no, I better not do that because if everybody in here is honest, there'll be somebody who wouldn't stand up because there's probably somebody in here who's been watching everybody else serve and do all these things, and maybe you haven't gotten involved yet. If you haven't, now's the time. Now is the time um, to do that. Um, so... Thinking back, those, these, three, these three points, that he called us to take up our cross, to be willing to die if necessary. And as Taylor was preaching from Esther a couple of weeks ago about what Esther said, if I perish, I perish, we need to have that same mindset. Jesus called us to be ambassadors, to bring people back to God, and if I perish, I perish. To prioritize the kingdom, seek it first, to serve. You know, I was listening to a preacher not long ago who wasn't even preaching about the call of God, but there was a paragraph in that sermon that, was, that just summarized exactly what, uh, what we're trying to do here. I, I wrote it down. Did you put it up on the screen there? Here's the quote. From this pastor, it just summarizes the entire call of God here. You have been created to simply be a faithful Christian wherever God puts you. You do that by being a committed and faithful church member, loving your neighbor, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, giving generously, praying regularly, and reading your Bible daily. Stop getting discouraged when God doesn't give you this great big assignment because being a faithful and obedient Christian is an incredibly 
important and big assignment. Would you like to see lost people saved in Dothan and around the world? Then abide in Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. Do the basic things that God tells us in His words to do. And whether that leads to hundreds of people coming to Christ in your life or simply ten, you have been a faithful and obedient. You are called to be a faithful and committed church member and allow God to use you in all the different spheres of influence that you have. Maybe God has brought you to this moment for such a time as this, which is to be a regular, faithful, ordinary, and non-exciting church member. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember who said that two weeks ago? <laughs> Taylor said that two weeks ago. That sum up, sums up the entire call of Christ. People have been kind enough to ask, Bob, what are we going to do without you right here? You're going to do great. Because God has brought a staff of godly men to lead this church who love God, love Jesus, but they love the Bible as well. And Taylor preaches the Bible. And this church will go forward because the Bible is the foundation for what's going on. And uh, Taylor, you just get up and just, just preach this paragraph every week because it summarizes everything we need to know about the call of God in our life. So, serving together. That's what we've been doing for 35 years. It's not a, it, today's not about me. Uh, today is about us. Because for 35 years of my life, we have been here walking together, uh, working together, serving together. When you were preaching from Esther a couple of weeks ago, um, that phrase, for such a time as this, is the name of a song that was, uh, came out about 25 years, a generation ago. I asked Reed if he had heard it. He said, uh, no, I haven't heard that song. I said, well, it was written before you were born. Oh, godly young man. There we go. Well, anyway, I, uh, I wanted to put, I put together a little video for us to watch about this church serving Christ. And I love that song because the words, I just like to call it Christ, the words say, now, all I have is now to be holy, to be faithful, to be a light shining in the darkness. He says, for such a time as this, I was placed upon the earth to hear the voice of God and do his will. The call of Christ. <laughs> 